Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. Welcome indeed, how are you today? I'm excited to um I'm excited to do this episode. I'm excited to talk about the game. So yeah, how about you? Are you well? I am indeed. Yes. Um been working usual. It's pouring with rain outside. But you had some good news this week? Yes, had an interview and um internally and I was offered another job internally today which i have accepted which was obviously nice nice to hear nice so, congratulations just in time for christmas yeah exactly so i'll be starting right after christmas in my new role nice <laughs> so that's good yeah so that'll be um trial by fire i, I imagine yeah i'll be fine okay so today we are talking about number 77 on the metacritic list Number 77 is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which was released in 2003 for the Xbox. Now, Knights of the Old Republic has a score of 94 on our Metacritic list. And I suppose the best place to start is, what did you think of the game? Well, we say um, 94 on the list, but this game is also voted by uh, the listeners as well on our Twitter poll. Um, indeed it was yeah the first time we've done something like that so it was um quite cool to kind of have a bit of interaction with uh with you listeners and um you know play a game that you, you were keen for us to play so yeah um what, what, what was the question did i like this game yeah what, what were your your overview thoughts yeah i i liked it i've never played knights of the old republic before um this i've always been as we say for most games that we haven't played before i've always been aware of it um <laughs> and for people that listen to this podcast that don't know me personally i'm a, a very big star wars fan um it's star wars is something that's incredibly special to me um so it's kind of sacrilege really that i didn't play this game beforehand but here i am arriving late to the party as usual and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I knew where the twists and turns were going to be, and we should probably preface this episode by saying there will be spoilers, spoilers. for this 17-year-old game. Um, Indeed. So if you want to experience it for yourself, maybe play it before listening to this uh, this episode. But yeah, I um, I enjoyed this one. It was a good experience. What about yourself? Yeah, I'd say I generally enjoyed it. I think for the most part I enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed it enough to start playing the sequel directly afterwards, which I'm still playing, and I'm enjoying even more, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, generally had a good time with it. I think it's got its flaws, Yeah, but it's it's a, it's generally a pretty good game. Um, so this came out on the Xbox. Where did you play it? Yeah, I, I, played, it on the, um, I played it on the Xbox. I, um, I, I bought it from the store on, um, on my Xbox One X, um, but about probably about 15 hours into the game. because so I'd, I'd played some of this game before, but I just couldn't remember where. Um, and I, I updated um, my MacBook and realised that I actually have, have this game on Steam and I'd played probably two to three hours of it um, a few years ago. So I didn't actually need to rebuy it. But, you know, I, I prefer playing it on um, on my Xbox with, you know, with my TV, etc., so I played it the way that it was originally released. Uh, were you the same? Yeah, I played it on my Xbox One X. I think they've increased the resolution so that it outputs... Um, I think it's 4K, but it's not widescreen because no. it's uh, it was originally re- released for... Um, what do they call them? Uh, CRT TVs? T- yeah, CRT TV. It was, it was originally released with CRT TVs and obviously they weren't anywhere near... No. as wide as the TVs that we have today. So it's kind of a boxed-in format. Um, yes. Yeah, this game was synonymous, synonymous with the uh, original Xbox when it came out. And yeah, it was, it's um, good to play on the Xbox One X. 
felt pretty good to play. Um, okay, so what's what's a brief overview of the story of this game? It's it's standard Star Wars, really. You've got the Jedi and the Sith. The Jedi are the good guys. The Sith are classed as the bad guys. There's always a constant struggle with the Jedi about whether or not they'll you know fall to the temptations of the dark side. And it's primarily a story about two Sith Lords called Darth Revan and Darth slash Lord Malak, who are ex-Jedi who fought... It's, it's in the Mandalorian Wars, isn't it? They they were fighting. Yeah. Prior to the story. Yeah, they, they fight in the Mandalorian Wars uh, and fall to the dark side. And they become an incredibly powerful duo until a character... A Jedi called Bastilla apparently kills Revan. You then find out that he, he was taken prisoner. And about halfway through the story, as you are playing as your unnamed slash given a name yourself protagonist, um, you kind of have a huge plot twist as you're on this crusade to destroy Malak and stop him from overruling the galaxy. You find out that the Jedi wiped your mind and you were actually Darth Revan. Um, and you've been switched, you've kind of had your mind wiped to switch sides to the Jedi, depending on how you play this game. Um, this classic good versus evil Star Wars story is stuff that you've seen, if you're a Star Wars fan, a million times before. But there are a few quirks with this game that made it stand out at the time that it, it was released. So, yeah, it's a pretty basic story. Um, but, yeah, do you reckon I missed anything there? Just that. It's an original story, yes. um, not based on any other films, and it takes place long, long time before. Years. Yeah, so it's completely standalone. So although it, 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 I suppose it borrows from Star Wars heritage, it is a it's a standalone thing, so you can enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, and I just say that the plot twist is great. Um, in RPGs, there's a, there's a tendency for your character to be the chosen one. Yes, and. Uh, but usually that doesn't involve you being the former Dark Lord of the universe. Um, so that was a nice cool twist on the, the formula. And to find out that you're this character that everyone has been referring to for three quarters of the game. I mean, that's a really cool plot twist to me. Yeah, uh, so I, I think the plot twist for me, because you know I've, I've known about this game for a very long time and I think the plot twist in this game of your character formerly being Darth Revan is classed as probably one of the great plot twists of all times within gaming. So yeah, it's very well documented and you'd struggle to find a Star Wars fan that knows about Star Wars games that doesn't know about that plot twist. But it was still cool to experience that. I knew it was coming, but it was cool to kind of do that firsthand and be like, oh, okay, cool. This is what all the fuss is about with this uh with this story, you know, seeing it for myself. Yeah, and the reveal is really cool as well. And just just for, um, I suppose, clarity, um, I've I've actually completed this game before, probably five to ten years ago, I'd say. Um, can't remember exactly, but I completed this on my three hundred and sixty, playing the uh, the original Xbox version. So I was actually using the disc version of the game, uh, which I put into my Xbox One X. Oh, nice. And yeah, so it works like a charm. And yeah, so I was experience, experiencing this for the second time. Um, although I'd forgotten parts of it. Um, I did remember key points and I remembered probably the best bits in the game. Um, so I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to see how this runs on the, on the Series X. Because obviously, well, we've discussed it, but I don't think you've mentioned on the podcast before that you got one at release didn't you yeah but you've not opened it yet <laughs> no I'm, I'm waiting till christmas eve that shows plug it in. an incredible level of self-control that i do not possess <laughs> so i take my hat off to you plug in that bad boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, I, th I think actually it would run identically because as far as i know this is running in 4k um it's not going to boost the frame rate at all which is probably running maxed out anyway yeah um the xbox one x it's probably powerful enough to run this game full blast. Yeah. And speaking of, um, how does this game look to you? It, it looks like a standard game from the early the early noughties, really. It's um, it's very much a product of its time. 
it sometimes i mean on the xbox uh, one x it looks good it looks you know as good as it can look for a game of its age but it's very kind of ps2 styly um i mean the the cutscenes are pretty well done the the flow of the movement and and the lightsaber um combat looks decent i mean this was really around the time early noughties to mid noughties that star wars games were getting really good obviously this one is good primarily because of its story it isn't because of the combat because the combat's on like a dungeons and dragons kind of vibe um with statistics and chance and luck it's not like um one of my one of my all-time favorite games in my top five uh, star wars jedi knight jedi academy where you control the combat so it's it looks good it's limited by its time but you know i think when looking at a game of the, of it of this age um i think it probably looks as good as it can and i i imagine when this came out in 2003 people thought it looked pretty great i, I remember i think it came out the same year um the great escape on the ps2 i don't know if you played that but oh, i know i know the game yeah I mean, I, I remember watching a video by Cadicarus on YouTube and he said that all of the characters look like they have ham faces and when you look back, they, they, they kind of do. But this game, compared to that game, um, looks pretty far ahead um, of you know other games that are coming out of its time. And I suppose that's synonymous with... Um, well, not synonymous, but it's, it's a trait of Bethesda games that they can push... Um, their graphics quite well but you then look at Morrowind that doesn't quite look as, as crisp as as this game um did but... see I would argue that I'd say that Morrowind actually looks better than this because oh, you think so? yeah because the, the thing with Morrowind is that you, you've got this big sprawling open world and you play it today it doesn't look that far behind Oblivion um Oblivion smoothed things out a lot but I think from a technical standpoint, I think it's doing a lot more Morrowind. So I, I, I think Oblivion the art was style 06, in this wasn't it? Oblivion was maybe late two thousand and five. Okay. Uh, maybe early two thousand and six. It was around then anyway. Um, so I, I, I think this game has not aged well from a visual standpoint because I don't. And I think the problem with this game is that the art style is not great. It it tries to be realistic, and I think. A lot of the time, the textures and the colours end up looking washed out. I think there are a few really nice spots where it all comes together, but I think for the most part, especially when you're looking at alien faces, yeah. it doesn't look fantastic. Um, and and, and you got to remember, before this came out, you had things like Resident Evil Remake on the GameCube, which looked stunning at the time. So I think... We'd seen better looking games than this. Uh, even at the time, I don't remember this being a, a visual powerhouse. But um, it's, it's, it, it has its moments. Um, but I don't think that's its strong suit. No, no, definitely. I think you can look at the graphics and appreciate what it was for the time. And it wasn't cutting edge, but it wasn't bad. Um, no. But you kind of you, you look at the other elements of this game, don't you? Rather than what it looks like i suppose yeah. the, the star wars universe and the star wars look and particularly the soundscape of star wars is always very heavily uh, criticized and you know reviewed when these games come out as they should be because of its its standing in pop culture and i imagine when this came out it was probably a bit more than fine i think you, you say yeah it was good you know yeah, I'd, I think it was, um, I'd say it's over average. Um, but at this time, by this point, we'd also had Rogue Squadron 2 on the GameCube as well, yeah. which looked great, which looked so good. Um, and mainly because that was space battles and it wasn't people. I think it was much harder to render people Definitely. back then, Definitely. which was the issue that they had. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think the reason why this game is well remembered is the story. I think it's part of the reason, but I think the world of this game is why it's so well remembered. The The fact that it kind of realizes this star Wars world with different planets, different races, 
different languages. It's really quite impressive when you cast your mind back to 2003. Well, I mean, and I think that's why. One of the things that I realised when I was playing this game is, like I said, I'm a big Star Wars fan and I've got a lot of Star Wars trivia and knowledge in my head. Probably not as much as some people. I've kind of fallen off the wagon a bit with, with it with the last few years. But I realised with this game, you go to different planets to track down something called Star Forges. And one of the planets you go to visit is the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Um, for the uninitiated, Wookiees are what Chewbacca is. Giant furry things. Yeah. And I, I realised when playing this game that this was the first... Well, I believe this was the first look that we'd had at Kashyyyk in Star Wars lore, like within film or video game, because the first time that you see Kashyyyk in the films is in episode three revenge of the sith and that didn't come out till 2005 so it's interesting it's and Kashyyyk now is you know it's included in all the games it's in the battlefront games like the original ones and the, the new ones from ea and Kashyyyk's become one of those really famous star wars locations not kind of on the on the same level as tatooine but Kashyyyk is still a very well-known Star Wars world. And I'd be interested to look to see if this is the first time it was included in a game. Because it was the first time it was it was before you know, it appeared in the films, you know? I got a feeling it was in Rogue Squadron 3 as well. Oh, was it? And that, um, that was GameCube, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure when that was released. That, was, that would either be 2003 or 4, mm. if I were to have a guess. I got a feeling it's in that as well. Um, I remember there was definitely... A level that resembled Kashyyyk, but yeah, it's around this time, and 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 I think the reason for it being there is because the creators of this game had access to a lot of the lore, had access to um, George Lucas's stuff and Skywalker. Yeah, George Lucas's, stuff. yeah, and and all 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 the, all the all the yeah all the lore, all the books of lore that probably lots of people haven't seen um, about Star Wars. So I think. All of that stuff fed into the game, and what you get is a very, very authentic and believable world. And you got to remember as well at this time, and we're going to touch on this again later. This is a licensed game, and licensed games Suck. <laughs> tend not to do very well. You got you got literally a handful of good licensed yeah, games even today. Good ones. So the fact that this was licensed game and it came out and. It was only on the Xbox. I think it was on PC at the same time as well. And it was this big, fully formed RPG from Bioware, who, by the way, had a history of creating great RPGs such as Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and Baldur's Gate 2 is on this list. So we'll get to that at some point. And we'll go on to do Mass Effect and uh, Dragon Age. So really a developer with a lot of pedigree. Um, so... It's quite impressive what it did. So, you you touched on the gameplay a bit already. So we're gonna we're gonna move on to our ever present section. Gameplay is king. So is the game fun? Yeah, it think? can it, it can drag a bit at times, and I think that's more of a narrative issue than gameplay. But overall, it's a fun game, especially if you're a Star Wars fan and you keep an eye out for you know small Easter eggs and. Stuff like that, which I noticed a few of, which um, was was appreciated. But I'd I'd say it's fun. What about you? Yeah, I, I I actually enjoy the gameplay, and I said to you the reason why I enjoy it is because you can kind of switch it on and zone out. Yeah. Because the combat is not so active. You can just kind of click on an enemy, and then you start doing battle with them, and you just have to control the flow of battle and aside from that you might be doing some some having some dialogue with someone you might be doing sweep races which is a bit more involved but this is not twitch stick gaming um so you can just kind of switch off and go with the flow and enjoy the game yeah so actually i, I enjoyed it for that because we've played a lot of um some pretty intense games recently so it was nice to just have something that i could relax and play through um so what do you think is the best move? I know this is a hard question for a game like this. And um, what's your your favourite force power or something like that? The, the best thing you can do in the game is lightsabers. It's a, it's a Star Wars game. Yeah. It's always going to be lightsabers. Um, yeah. I, I think that the combat isn't amazing. Like I said earlier, it's very much based on 
the roll of a dice and chance and Dungeons and Dragons esque things. Nicely, nicely animated though. Yeah, very well animated, and I, I liked the amount of customization there was with the lightsabers as well. Not a massive level of customization, but you could choose uh, what you wielded, whether it was a single blade, whether it was dual blade, or whether you had a, a double bladed lightsaber. But I also like the fact that you could change the crystals to change the lightsaber colors. In terms of force powers, the one that I probably got the most use out of was either heal. I use that a lot. Oh yeah. Or yeah. I, I I got a few dark side uh, powers as well, and I'd say the most useful like one kill. for that was lightning. Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that I think the reason this game is so well remembered is because it's kind of a Star Wars fan's dream, isn't it? That you can go in there, you can be a character within the Star Wars universe, but you can also forge the path that character walks on. You can control the colour of your lightsaber. You can be a Sith, you can be a Jedi if you want to. So it kind of was a bit of a dream scenario for Star Wars fans. I think, you, I think you're right there. Um, I agree, the, the lightsabers are great, especially the uh, double-ended lightsabers. And if I was to pick a Force power, probably one that I used a lot apart from Heal, was... Um, the destroy droid one, which does a hell of a lot of damage. That's fun to use. Well, it, it, this this game as well. I think you just made a good point that it really lets Star Wars fans get into the the universe and the and the world. And it kind of reminded me of a game that I got probably around two thousand and four time, but I never managed to get it to run um, because my PC at the time was wasn't great. And you had to pay a subscription, and I was a child, so had no disposable income. But um, it kind of gave me a similar vibe to what I saw of Star Wars Galaxies. I don't know mm, if that's no. a game that you're aware of at all. No, never heard of it. It was an online role-playing game, mid-noughties. It was around the time that everyone was playing games like RuneScape and stuff like that. And Do you remember there was a there was a Matrix game like that? Oh, like was there? World of Matrix or something? Yeah, that there was an online one that I think had quite a big following. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, with with Galaxies, I think I, I watched quite an interesting documentary on it a while ago, and I think I understand it correctly. But what it was is you could kind of choose your career path in that game, and obviously with it being an online RPG. You just kind of did whatever you want, do quests, etc. And you could become a smuggler, you could become a bounty hunter, um, and you could really kind of go down these routes and get good at your job. And then obviously, with it being a Star Wars game, everyone wanted to be a Jedi, because because Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously, that would completely screw with the balancing of the world if everyone just suddenly becomes a Jedi. So I think what they did was the devs, they made like this this really crazy cryptic puzzle that you had to solve and go through several several uh, steps to, to get to the end of it. And then when you did, you would be given force powers and be able to follow the path of the Jedi. Like, do, do you remember when PT came out and Hideo Kojima yeah. put those cryptic puzzles in and people thought, oh, we'll never be able to break this, this is ridiculous. And then and someone, someone broke does. it really quickly. Yeah. Um, it was similar to that. They, they were really cryptic puzzles. And I think it took them a while. But eventually someone did. And then you had one Jedi. And then eventually more people became Jedi. But I think over time the balancing of the game really really messed up unfortunately. But I mean I, I really wish that I could have played it. But my, my machine just wasn't powerful enough. And I couldn't afford a subscription. But... It, it kind of gives off the same vibes as like World of Warcraft and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I get a similar vibe from what you just said about you know being able to jump into the Star Wars universe in this game. It just made me think of Galaxies, and that was a bit of a weird tangent to go on of a game that maybe not too many people remember. But I think that this kind of game with the Star Wars license was very much of its time. You know, I can't imagine yeah. a Star Wars RPG like this coming out today. It was very much of the early noughties, mid noughties kind of thing, you know. I don't know. I think I think um, maybe not with this combat system. I don't think that would no do so well today. But I th I feel like proper, full on Star Wars RPG would do pretty well. I mean, people are craving single player Star Wars games. Oh, big time! And... Just look at Fallen Order. Yeah, 
Exactly. And I enjoyed, well, I started that and enjoyed it, but I fell off. Yes. Um, I'll go back to it at some point. And um, then there, there was, there was uh, the old Republic. I think it's an online Star Wars game. Yeah. I don't really know much about it. Um, but that came out not that long ago. Um, obviously cashing in on KOTOR's name, but from what I've heard, it's good. So this game is a Bioware game. Bioware is known for their dialogue trees, their morality systems. So what was your impression of the dialogue trees and the morality system in this game? Do you think it was a, a good implementation? Just, just to or... pause. I, I said Bethesda a minute ago, didn't I? But were Bethesda involved in this game? No, this is Bioware. Oh, there um, we go. I always get them confused. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so yeah, this this is Bioware. Brilliant. And um, Bethesda, obviously, uh, uh, for the Morrowind, the Oblivion, uh, uh, Elder Scrolls games, tired. Fallout games. So, so what was, yeah, what, what was your impression of the implementation of the morality system and the um, dialogue trees? I mean, it was, it was basic, and I think a lot of games that kind of try to have a morality system they struggle with it a little bit because especially with speech patterns you get like one of three or four options it's say the good guy thing say the bad guy thing or just remain mysterious and be annoying that's the main trope i find of morality systems and classic star wars you've got the choice to either you know, go to the dark side again or stick to the light side. And a few Star Wars games do this. Uh, Jedi Academy does this, but it's more not the kind of you go through the game making decisions that kind of push you on a bar of light to dark. It's just at one point in the game, like, do you want, do you want to kill this person? He's unarmed. And if you say yes, then you go to the dark side. If you don't, then you stay on the light path. And... I think this is quite an early version of a morality system in a video game. Yeah. I think there were obviously some before it and you can look back to you know the 90s and probably the 80s as well with some more basic games. They they had these systems in just very bare bones. And I think with Star Wars it's a very basic way to go with a morality system especially if it's r- related to Jedi because you're either going to go dark side or light side. And yeah. I think they did it all right. I think it was fine, but it was very predictable. And it's very much like, oh, if, if you say this, you'll go to the dark side. If you say this, you go to the light side. And there are things you could do. Like at the end of the game, you could either spare Bastilla or you could kill her. And obviously killing someone is the you dark side. You love her, and then she'll tell you she loves you back. And then... You've got this romance that you never really knew was brewing. Yeah, it's 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 really bizarre, and I mean, some of the some of the conversation choices that you get as um, my character, I called him Trico. I don't know why, but some of the things that you can make Trico say, like so just, Trico and Bastilla had a romantic Trico and relationship. But like some of the stuff that you say, I was like what it's so out of place like yeah the concept was like oh i I know you can't stop looking at me i I know you want me and it's like trico shut up what do you want about (laughs) yeah i I didn't get a lot of it but i think it was fine for what it was but predictable in terms of the morality system i I mean i don't know if you agree i know you've got a few issues with the the narrative i think i think i think even until recently games have struggled with morality systems yeah i think you've got a few standout examples of really good morality systems over the years but this was quite a basic one and so you've got your three choices but sometimes two of those those choices will elicit the same response and then the third one will elicit a different response and then you just come away and you get this thing come up that says dark side points gained or light side points gained and sometimes you don't feel like you've been particularly rude. Yeah. And you get dark side points gained. That happened to me a few times. Yeah, me too. I feel like the development in this game, like I say, this so-called relationship between Bastilla and the main character um, feels not very fully formed. 
Um, no, I agree. And I think the problem with morality systems in, in some of these games is that most people, the majority of people, at least on their first playthrough, and most people won't ever do a second playthrough, they'll go for the positive side because there's very little motivation to go for the negative side. And we always get this idea, if you go for the positive side, you're going to be rewarded more for it down the line. You're going to get the quote-unquote good ending. And I think where games have managed to step away from this and do more interesting morality systems is not framing them as good and bad choices. I remember Bioshock 2 had some really good decisions in it because... They weren't framed as good or bad, and whatever you did with her would have repercussions on, on the gameplay. But some of them were real moral quandaries, and you had to make a decision, and you really felt torn as to what decision to make. But I can think of only a few games that really did it well. Even, I mean, the Mass Effect games after this, I'd say they did it better than KOTOR, but I think they had their problems as well. I think they they were a bit too linear in their... Uh, good and bad morality system. So I think it was it it was okay. It was I think what it does what what it achieves is that it uh, involves you in the game more, and that's what you want. It, it it immerses you, but it could have done so a lot more and been a lot less jarring, as you say. Some of the dialogue is not fantastic, and yeah. often I feel like the pacing issues with this game are not during the combat, not during the exploration. But they're in the tons and tons of dialogue, sometimes exposition to death, basically. But you might never find as well if you don't go looking for it. Yeah. I, I think it's important to point out as well that we're, we're looking at this kind of from the sidelines as, you know, the, the game's writing, which, you know, game writing is what it is. And obviously it's got better as the years have gone by. And, you know, you get very good game writers, you get bad storylines and there's a lot of cheesy dialogue in this game to the point where it's a bit like oh man stop it but you also have to remember that star wars is is pretty cheesy as well yeah it's you know that there are there are lines in the films that you listen back to especially in um episode one the phantom menace that you cringe at you're just like oh man (laughs) yeah it's it's hard to listen to. I, I, I mean, having that kind of dialogue in this game puts it very on brand for me. I'm like, yep, it's definitely a Star Wars game. <laughs> Maybe they could have done with hamming it up less, though. You know what I mean? And I, and I don't, th- I don't think it's bad, especially no. for the time. I think it's pretty good. But you, those, those, uh, I mean, there's nothing along the lines of Resident Evil 4's awful, awful no. dialogue here. Um, this isn't even close to that. I think for the most part it's pretty good, but there are some some bits that really are jarring and they kind of uh, pull you out of the gameplay a bit. Yes. Generally speaking, though, I think it's um, pretty good. What's not pretty good is the lack of variety of uh, character choices that you can do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, not quite very Skyrim, limited. is it? No. So you, you basically choose a face... And when when I say choose a face, you literally choose a face. Off like five and faces. Yeah, out of about five faces, and then you choose you choose your gender. Um, could you, could you it's a lot better. In this game. I couldn't remember if you could or not. Yeah, you can choose your gender, but uh, I mean, it's the same few options for that gender. Um, if you if you pick a different, well, if you pick different genders, mm. and um, the actual character stuff is pretty good in terms of the stats and that you can you can um diversify a lot there but in terms of your appearance it really is limited so if you happen to look a little bit different or if you want to want to build a character in your likeness <laughs> good luck is all i say yeah it, it leaves you wanting quite a lot um and i mean again character creation things have got better with time but i mean if you if you look back to the original Sims, which came out three years before this game, I, I mean, I don't know if you ever played the Sims very much. A little bit. Do, do, did you play the first one much? Um, I wouldn't. I can't remember which ones I played. I think I played some of the console ones back in the day. I would um, urge anyone that remembers the Sims being great, which it was, 
to just go back and have a look at the character creation screen and how limited the choices were in that game because it's absolutely crazy. Because you look back and you think, oh yeah, you create a sim in your own likeness, but there really wasn't much to work with with the original sims. And I think it's only been in the last 10 or so years, maybe a little bit more, that character creation, they've really put a lot of effort into it, game devs, and it's become yeah a lot better. Because uh, it used to be just so basic. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Hazard of its time, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think we're now spoiled for choice a bit. And when you do come across a game with less than great character creation, it really stands out to you. Oh, definitely. So going back to 2003 and seeing these lack of options, um, yeah, it just stood out to me as just something that was a bit annoying. Um, so we've talked a bit about the world, we talked about Kashyyyk. So, what was your favorite world? Um, to explore because uh, a, a bit of background you, like you said we, you, you go around to the world you pick up the star maps and you kind of do what amounts to an objective like a major objective on each planet and they do vary quite a lot and the world it can make or break whether a world is enjoyable or not what you're doing on the planet so you start off on Dantooine and you've got quite a long section there where you're training to be a Jedi and well, you start off on Taris. Yeah, so you start off on Taris, but the first kind of world that you fly to is, is yes. uh, Dantooine. And then after that, that, basically, once you unlock your spaceship, you can you can fly yeah, around and you order. can do them in whatever order you want. And then you've got Tatooine, uh, which is obviously desertous, and you end up going to meet the sand people and then killing a giant monster. Uh, you've got... Yes, can you've I, got Korriban. Can, can I make a yeah. quick comment on the uh, the Crow Dragon? Because I, I find it quite interesting that I've, um, since playing this game, it's kind of rekindled my appreciation for Star Wars. I've been watching The Mandalorian. Uh, have, have you watched any of it? No. It's it's really good. I think you quite like it. You like Star Wars, don't you? You're not a yeah, I'm a, I'm a, fan. I'm a, I'm a casual Star Wars fan. Yeah, I, I recommend The Mandalorian. I think you'd like it. And I watched uh, an episode probably about two or three nights ago, where the the Mandalorian goes goes to Tatooine, and the the thing with the Mandalorian is that the the episodes kind of feel like the Mandalorian says he needs something, someone gives him a side quest, he does it, he gets given some information, he flies off, end of episode. And on the Tatooine level, to get some information about um, another Mandalorian, he's he's tracking. Uh, he gets told, look, we've got a problem with a crate dragon on this uh, in this area. We need you to help us kill it. And the way that they tackle it is pretty much exactly the same as the way that you take down the crate dragon in KOTOR. <laughs> to the point where you're putting... There's a cave where the, the crate dragon is residing. Mines. You bury bombs and mines and stuff to make it come out. And then you tempt it out with a banther exactly the same in the mandalorian obviously it's, it's a little bit different because you know it's tv so there are a lot more options it's probably a bit of a nod i, th- I think it it's might be and yeah did you pick up the um the pearl from the crate dragon after you'd killed it yeah yeah um at, at the end of the um the mandalorian episode one of the tuscan raiders pulls out the pearl from the uh the carcass of the uh <laughs> of the crate dragon and holds it up i was like that's there's definitely some something going yeah. on here with um it's an homage isn't it to... definitely and john favreau's a big star wars fan so it wouldn't surprise me if he's taking bits and bobs from you know old media and old games but i thought that was really cool and worth mentioning just because it, it, i noticed it you know yeah so on korriban you're training to be a sith and you've got to collect artifacts and then prove your worth as a sith your sithiness um yeah your sithiness and um you've got manan which is an ocean bound planet and you've got the city on top and you have to infiltrate a sith base and then go underground where what are they called Cell the cars. people sell yeah that's it um yeah where they've all gone a bit um mad Insane. and yes 
and then you have to find the the, the star map down there and then finally is Kashyyyk which you just go down into the undergrowth the um, start yeah the Shadowlands and start a war between the Wookiees and find a stray Wookiee and Kashyyyk sucks yeah so so what's what's your what's your favorite and to least favorite of the of the four let's say the four worlds not Dantooine so you've got say Tatooine Korriban Kashyyyk uh, no, we won't include Taris because right. it's such a long section at the liked beginning. I Taris just because it was quite Coruscant-esque. Uh, from least favourite to favourite, Kashyyyk is probably the lowest for me. Yeah, I thought same. that Kashyyyk was just very meh. I, I didn't really... It's just nothing, isn't it? Yeah, just... it wasn't the best. I, and I liked um, tracking down the Mandalorians on Kashyyyk and having to run around without any weapons to make them show up but then having to go back in the menu and equip all of your guys with weapons again was irritating but yeah Kashyyyk was probably the lowest point of the game for me although I quite liked the um the robot puzzle thing when you got to the star map I thought that was quite cool yeah after Kashyyyk in terms of lowest I'd probably go Tatooine I know that there's a lot of cool side stuff on Tatooine with finding out about Bastilla's family, but overall I thought it was just a little bit dull, just kind of travelling over the dunes with not much there, going between the east side and the Tuscan side, and yeah, I think the the city itself was alright, but I, I, Tatooine left me wanting a bit, I think. Then I'd probably say Manan. I thought Manan was cool. It was irritating. I, I don't think it was designed particularly well in terms of traversal for gamers. But I thought that I'd, I'd not heard of Manan before this game. And I think the story of having the Republic um, side and the Sith on side and the Selkath yeah. being a completely neutral party and never getting involved in their their quarrels was quite a cool touch. And I also like the bit underground. And then um, the, the the best one, I think, is probably Korriban, just because it's the yeah. most involved. And there's quite a lot of um, different stuff you can explore with Korriban. And it's always interesting to see more of, you know, the Sith side of things, because you see so much of Jedi stuff in Star Wars stories. It's cool to see a bit of, um, a bit of investment of time in the Sith in that area. Yeah. What about you? What's your me, order? They vary. They vary so much in quality, which is just so you, what you're doing on each world can really impact how your enjoyment of the game at that time. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Kashyyyk is the worst. I like I like the Wookiee stuff and uh, the infighting with the Wookiees. I think that's quite interesting. But in terms of variety of the location, there's just not any. It's just all the same. Yeah. Um, so and it's quite long as well. So you you just end up roaming around the same environments, doing what feel like fetch quests. Definitely. And yeah, it was not not great. Um, I would say next for me is Manan. I think the city is cool, but I just found it so long. You got the Sith. Um, it was a got very Sith... long section of the game. I agree. And I feel like it killed the pacing a bit because I did it first out of the four, so it was really. I mean, I'd gone from Taris well, yeah. to Dantooine to Manan, and I just felt like it's so slow paced doing those three back to back. So I think that destroyed it a bit for me, even though I quite like the city there. Um, I'd say Tatooine was second. Um, I like the city in Tatooine, and I, I just like the style of Tatooine. Yeah. Um, but. It's definitely flawed. It's, I, I quite I quite like that the even though it's a bit repetitive, I quite like the desert locations and that they stretch really far into the distance. Yes. It's one of the times where the game looks quite nice, and um, it's a, it's quite a short planet, so it's never too tedious yeah. for me. And yeah, Korriban easily easily the best. I thought it was great. Uh, more of that, please. <laughs> Yes, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Korriban was easily the best for me. Okay, so we mentioned briefly earlier about licensed games. Are there any other licensed games that you think, just generally, are good licensed games? 
Yeah, I mean, whenever we do these podcasts, whoever's kind of taking the lead with it, whether it's me or Dan, we kind of put a list together of stuff we're going to cover. Um, and I haven't had a chance to, to look at this list yet because I've been so busy today. Um, so in terms of licensed games, obviously you've got Goldeneye, which we've yeah. already covered on this podcast, which is probably one of the most famous licensed games ever. As well, I'd say Toy Story 2 on the PS1. Did you ever play that? Not really. No, not I in any great, great. Not <laughs> at any great length. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, another one, Toy Story, the South Park, um, the South Park games that came out a couple of years ago, the Stick of Truth and the, oh yeah, what's it called, the Fractured But Whole. Those yeah, are really yeah. cool, and I, I was glad to see those games because South Park games have really struggled in the past. They mostly suck, but those two were stand out. Simpsons, Simpsons Hit and Run. Obviously, was a bit of a clown of GTA, but was good. And, I mean, the new Spider-Man game by Insomniac, I thought was great. But, I mean, if you're really pushing it back, Spider-Man 2 on the PS, uh, PS2 yeah. and Xbox was something special. And I think you can probably point a nod to the Arkham games as well. But those are the, the, Not... the main ones that come to my head when I think of something like that. Um, so yeah, you, what about so you? you wouldn't put... You wouldn't put Superman 64 in that category. Well, we all know that Superman 64 is one of the best games ever created and is very easy to play, but I didn't want to include is... it in that list there because um, I just didn't think it would be fair for the other games to have to live up to something that's as good as that game, you know? That's in my honourable mentions as one of the greatest games ever made. <laughs> I'm um, glad I've never played it. It looks awful. Yeah, I've, I've never played it, actually, and I, and I don't don't want to play it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think um, obviously you mentioned Goldeneye. There's, I always say the world is not enough. Is another great Bond game, um, obviously licensed game, and now the Hitman developers have got the Bond license. So I'm really excited yeah, about that. That'll be good. Um, in terms of, I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings. Um, I think Shadow of Mordor is a great game, and Shadow of War a bit less so, but still pretty good. Um, the two I thought Shadow we're of Mordor was well, great. Were decent at the time. Yeah, you got some older ones which were good. You had the Third Age as well, mm. but I've I've always been craving that proper Oblivion Skyrim esque Lord of the Rings RPG. Definitely. There was there was a game that was in development called Lord of the Rings White Council, and it was it was cancelled. But the basically the, the summary of that was that it was going to be this big proper Lord of the Rings RPG, but never got made. So. Another one that I'd uh, I think is is a great, really great video game in its own right is um, Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay, which was released on the original Xbox. No, I don't know anyone. No, anyone that's that. it's just it's apparently um, Vin Diesel was heavily involved in that, and it's just a fantastic game in its own right. Um, again, it takes the franchise and tells its own story within that world, and it's a really good game. Yeah, so they're the ones that kind of jump out from the top of my head. Um, you do get more nowadays. You, you do get some better licensed game, games nowadays. I'd also say the uh, the Kingdom Hearts series, the way that they use the Disney properties is great. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not li- licensed as well. games used to really be phoned in, didn't they? That yeah. people would just be like, oh, it's a quick way to make some money, particularly off kids. And I mean... You could even argue that a licensed game was one of the reasons for the video game uh, video game crash at uh, their video game industry crash in eighty three. E. T. E. T. on the on the Atari. And I, I agree yeah. with you, they have got a lot better as as stuff's gone on. But one thing that does really annoy me with licensed games, and it's it's another point that Kadicarus made, and I hadn't thought of it beforehand, but when developers make like licensed games for children and they just phone it in because like, oh, they're kids. They, they won't, they won't know. You, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember... That's our childhoods that, that you're talking about there, basically. Well, I mean... That's what, they, that's what all PS1 and the N64 games were. Yeah, I mean, I, I look back and there was a really good Rugrats game on the PS1 that I thought was fantastic. But there are so many other bad games like the Tweenies and the Teletubbies that were just like... Obviously, they're not games for us, but they're just bad 
And, it's like, and if you went back and played that Rugrats game, what do you think you'd think of it now? I think I'd still... Well, I mean, I think I'd probably enjoy it from a nostalgia point of view. And I don't know if I'd be like, oh, this is, this is a good game. But I remember it holding up pretty well to... If I, I try and look back on it objectively. But it just seems nowadays that you can comment anything about the game industry. And there are some other really good Star Wars licensed games as well. But if you think to modern times, and you've just said, you know, that a lot of games that are licensed these days, people make an effort with and they, they, they try and make them good, like the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games, you know, they're, they're fantastic. But you can look elsewhere and look at the Avengers that came out yeah. just a few months ago. And it's just bombed because they, they they just wanted to make some money because obviously Avengers Endgame came out a year or so ago and you know the MCU is such a huge thing at the moment they they wanted to make some quick cash off it and I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I'm not saying this from a position of having played that game but everything I see about it is just phoned in wasn't very good absolutely filled to the brim with microtransactions and it's just like really and it was the same with Star Wars Battlefront 2 when that came out in 2017 oh yeah that to the point where you know governments were having EA took took out the loot boxes didn't they yeah it was crazy and I I think that it might even be the case that Battlefront 2 is banned in a, in a a few countries because is classed as easy easily accessible gambling for children and it hurt to see star wars battlefront which was one of my favorite games of the ps2 generation go through that and i mean i suck at online games anyway so i wasn't very good at it but you know it's it's sad when a a license or a, a franchise that you love so much is kind of you know just not handled with much care and I imagine that's what Avengers fans feel with uh, the game that came out a couple of months ago. It it must suck. 007 Legends, we're talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Oh, it's awful. That, I mean, that was... New levels are bad. I mean, probably Battlefront 2 was fantastic compared to that. Yeah, arguably. <laughs> that's basically spitting on the old bomb films. Um, okay, so what, in your opinion, makes a good licensed game? handling it with care i think and that sounds very basic but probably not wandering too far off from the the law because i think when people start making creative decisions that go against established things with licensed games and licensed films look at the you know, the sequel trilogy to Star Wars, they're very controversial. I think as long as you've got people making the games and they're people that genuinely love the the franchise or the series that they're dealing with, you're probably going to get a semi-decent game because they've put love into it. And obviously it isn't like that with a lot of other games because... They're not licensed, so a lot of people don't have very strong... Preconceived. Yeah, yeah. you know, and you're never going to please everyone when you bring out a licensed game or a new film in a series. There are always going to be people that are disappointed because of expectations. But I think, in my opinion, just handling with care and handling with respect and love is the best way to make a, a licensed game because look at Insomniac, you can tell that they really were into the whole Spider-Man thing and the whole MCU thing. You can tell that that game is for Spider-Man fans by Spider-Man fans, you know? Yeah. What, what, would, what would you say? I think many of the best licensed games, they, they don't follow those storylines story that we all know really well. Mm. Um, now you think of Shadow of Mordor, you think of KOTOR, you think of the new Spider-Man. They're all 
they might they might have elements of those things, but many of them kind of veer off in their own direction. Now what they do is they really use the lore from from the product to enhance the game and they set it within the world of the lore and then they go off in their own direction. I find it really interesting. I mean, give me a story set in Middle Earth that is not the the third age that's not t- telling the story of Frodo and the the One Ring. Um, I want to I want to see what else goes on in that world because for a lot of people, what's interesting is not necessarily what's happening in that story, but it's this fantastic rich world that you've got. So I think many of the best games don't stick doggedly to the script or the storyline. And many of the best games don't come out at the same time as a film. Mm. They come out in their own time. They're yeah. worked on slowly. And yeah, it's taking that care with it. But it's it's, it's using the rich law to feed the game without having a script dominate what the game is. I mean, GoldenEye is the one big example that I can think of, and Spider-Man 2, I suppose, as well, that sticks to a set thing. But again, they didn't... They didn't follow that it wasn't released at the time of the film and they weren't afraid to throw in their own levels in there, which were in the style of the the, the film that could have been there. Um, so I think it's about the world. I think it's all about world building. And I think that's what KOTOR does really well. It, it all starts with the world, doesn't it? And when you build around that and have that as your foundation, you probably can't go too wrong. And I'm going to be very interested to see that harry potter game that has been yeah me too um you know pushed a bit i don't know when it's coming out i won't buy it though no i, I won't buy it buy because it. and you know a lot of people are, are boycotting it because it's transpired that jk rowling has awful opinions about trans people yeah and awful. I, I remember when all of this was coming out people were like oh you know you got to feel sorry for the game developers though and you know it it is a shame for them because they've probably put in a lot of love and a lot of heart into this game and harry potter is something that's so widely beloved but i'll I'll be interested to see how that game does when it comes out because yeah it's jk rowling's really (laughs) yeah i don't know what to say really (laughs) but yeah i I won't be getting it on release i'll be interested to see how it does though and what the thoughts are on it Oh, I think it's going to do gangbusters. I think it's going to do really well because it's it's the vocal minority, isn't it? And true. <laughs> in this case, I'm one of the vocal minority. Yeah, so same. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, Knights of the Old Republic, number seventy-seven on our list, uh, with a score of ninety-four. Did the critics get it right? Um, yes, but. I think there are other Star Wars games that are more worthy of being on this list. I think this because this is the only Star Wars game on the list. I think it's yes. I think it's a good flag bearer for Star Wars to have in the top 100 games. I think there are better games. Um some of them that are even older than this game looking at like the Tie Fighter game or the X-Wing game from the 90s on the PC. I think the critics did get it right. It surprises me that it is the only Star Wars game on this list. And I'd say that it's probably sitting in the correct position in the the late 70s. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And as a Star Wars fan, like I said, there's stuff in there. If you've, you know, you've got a keen eye and you can pick up a lot of things in it that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. So I'd, I'd recommend it to someone that, you know, wants to experience a decent story with you know good good moments in it but also if you're a star wars fan like me it's it's worth a go just to pick up on another story from that 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 universe you know generally speaking this game does deserve to be there i think the reason why this game is here and we don't have any other star wars games in the list is for this very simple reason that it was a lot more ambitious than many Star Wars games. I mean, you got you got some very good games like Rogue, Rogue Squadron 1 and 2, which are great space fighting games, but that's kind of been done. And then you've got 
the on-foot fighting games. Again, that's kind of been done. Um, but you've not got this big, sprawling Star Wars RPG. And since then, we've not had that either, like we said, um, except for KOTOR 2, um, which I I am really enjoying, as I say. Uh, I think it's a darker, more interesting game to me. Um, but I also know that it's unfinished. Um, so I think that's the reason why this is on the list and not other Star Wars games. Now, I'm a big Bioware fan. Um, I've played a lot of their games. I don't think this is anywhere near, to be honest, the best Bioware game. You've got Mass Effect 2 on the list. You've got um, you've got Baldur's Gate 2. But I would say that Mass Effect 1 is better than this as well. Um, I think Jade Empire is better than this. Um, so if you consider it as a... Cause the one thing I said to you in the lead up to this was if it wasn't a Star Wars game, would it be here? Exact same game and, without the Star Wars skin. Yeah, uh, you take away all the licensed stuff, which I think you could do mm, fairly easily. Um, and then I think maybe it would be still there for the time, but I don't think it would be as fondly remembered. So... I do think it should be there, generally speaking, but I, I would, I think there are other Bioware games that deserve to be there more. So I'd, I'd leave it in there towards the end of the list, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll be interested to get your opinion on on other Star Wars games, and you know when it comes to the the time of us doing our our ten games, you know we would put in a top one hundred list. As I said at the start, in my top five games of all time is Star Wars Jedi Knight, um, Jedi Academy. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that because it's it came out, you know, around that kind of period of time. But it's a very different feeling Star Wars game. So I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. One, one uh, important question that I didn't ask. Um, what color was your lightsaber? I don't think I changed the color of it, so I think I had a double double ended uh, yellow uh, lightsaber. Yeah, for a yellow end. one. Yeah, well, it's just one that I picked up. I just left it. No, in fair box. Yeah. Nice. How about you? I um. I think I, you went purple, didn't you? Yeah, I ended up having a purple one at the end of the game, just because it was a little bit different. But I started off and played probably about seventy five percent of the game, going for the color that I always go for when I get to choose a color of a lightsaber in a video game, which is green. I've I've always said that if I was a real Jedi, I'd have a green lightsaber. Um, as much as I like blue, it, green green did the job for me up until I found that uh, that double bladed purple one and channeled my inner Mace Windu. Okay, so um, next time, what have we got coming up? Yeah, so next time, uh, obviously this was a bit of a special episode because we uh, we threw it over to you listeners to choose for us. But the game before that was God of War, which was Dan's choice. So the next game is my choice. I've decided to go for something a bit lighter, something that um, isn't going to need us to put in 20 hours of uh, of gameplay. So we're going to be playing Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, not to be confused with Cha- uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition 2. This was a game from quite a few years ago. Uh, we've both already started it, both got some thoughts on it. So, yeah, we've only got two more episodes coming out this year. We've got um, Pac-Man coming out next week on Thursday, the 17th of December at 6pm GMT. And then on the 24th, we've got the final game of the year, which we'll reveal next week. Uh, And then after the 24th, we're going to take a break for a few weeks, not think about plowing hours and hours into games and just... uh, just take a couple of weeks off to recharge our batteries. So, yeah, two more episodes of the year, Pac-Man and then Mystery Game to coincide with our somewhat Christmas special, I suppose, with it coming out on Christmas Eve. And and also, just another note, um, if you've been watching on YouTube or if uh, if you do intend to watch on YouTube, not really possible anymore because I'm taking a break from YouTube because I'm just tired. <laughs> I want a break. So, um, yeah. So for the foreseeable future, until 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 I decide otherwise, if I decide otherwise, um, it will just be coming out in audio form. So yeah, anything else from you? Nope. Um, as usual, 
You can find us on all the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to email us, which um, you know a couple of you have in the past, which was really nice to receive, you can email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sharing with a friend. We we say it every week, but we really enjoy making this podcast. It's yeah, it's a really nice project for us and it's nice to be creative and also play some of the apparent best games of all time. So so cool. Yeah. We 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 really appreciate you listening and we really appreciate the support. We've been doing this now since February and it's crazy that it's almost been almost a, year a year since since we started doing this. So shout out to all the listeners and people that listen and and share because we really do appreciate it. Um yeah. But yeah. We will leave it there for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next week for Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Cheerio. Have a good week all. Bye-bye.